what we do in our homes is very important on how we're going to impact our society. I thought about my wife again because I thought if she did not have the amount of teaching and examples over the course of time, would she be able to provide that same example for us today in my own home? In the homes, we are there all the time. Church, we only come once a week. So it's easy to act differently at church than it is at home. At home is where we really see the real person. So if it's at home that we see the real person, then there should be a lot of emphasis on the way how I carry myself at home. Because if I am attentive to that, I can guarantee you someone will notice. Because all of us have friends or family members that come to our home. See, we're so busy sometimes running around saying, God, how can I serve you? When God has given us a place to be able to serve him. Our homes. I know you probably have saw many Christians or so-called Christians in the past who would be very holy people in the sanctuary on Sunday. But you went by to visit them and you took a glimpse into their home and then you realized that, oh, this is not the same person that I was seeing on Sunday. I want to get to that point to where I am the same person here on Sunday as I am when I'm at home. I appreciate the home life so much and the reason why I do. Just going to give you just a little bit, a little glimpse of what it was like in my home when I grew up. I, I remember if you actually if you actually would go just imagine the picture if you actually would go through the front door uh, of my home. So on the front door, you would walk instantly into my living room in in Louisiana, and on the left you, we had for well, those are. Uh, 1970, old stereo player, you know, and you had the speaker built into it and, and then play the 45s and all that kind of stuff. And I remember on Sunday morning, my dad used to love to play the five blind boys from Alabama. He used to love to play Reverend Ernest Franklin. 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. I used to hear that music blaring. And I have to admit to you that I knew that was the start of us getting ready for the going off to church and so forth. 
we also had in that same room, there was a, <laughs> I, ain't, I think that Bible was still there today, but there was a Bible about this big in our <laughs> living room. And boy, you open that Bible up, boy, the words are so big, and it was like, oh, my word. That's why my mom and dad wear glasses today, because that's the perfect size for them, right? But you're walking down, you see that big old Bible like that. And every time that, that uh, my brothers or my, my family member was have some kind of dispute, my dad would run over there, pick up that big old Bible. What does it say right here? Oh, God said this, God said that. Okay, that's the answer then. Or by the time he get ready to pull that belt out and give me a spank, why I'm spanking you? Look at what it say right here. Oh. <laughs> I remember one time that my brother and I we we Saturday morning we pl- Saturday Saturday uh evening we planned uh, we went in the bathroom and we hid the comb. And I'm going to tell you the reason why we hid the comb in a few minutes. But we hid the comb. Because when Sunday morning came on, at that time I had the big old afro then. <laughs> and you had to take a long time in the morning to pick it out, you know. And my dad would comb my hair like that in the morning, right? If he didn't find the comb. He couldn't comb, and my dad would never let me go out without my hair comb. So we thought we had him. See, we hid the comb away, and my my dad said, 615 rolling around, could not find the comb. So he came in, flicked on the light, get up, get up, and I want that comb found in 20 minutes. Ooh, my dad never approached me like that before. Is it 20 minutes I want the comb found? Of course, man, my brother knew exactly where, where's that, you know. So we would have found the comb. We would have found the comb and we off to church and so forth. But I'm saying this all to you because it was totally just built in to our family. It was built in in our home life that a structure of God was just built in. A foundation of God's word was just built in. And I think that probably no one out here would disagree with me that the family and the structure of it is in a state of flux today. Some don't know what it is today. I wish I had a lot of time to be able to teach you about that, but I don't. I'm just want to, all I want to say today is how, how we can use our homes to better impact our communities and our city and our nation. I'm here today because of what my mom and dad did, dad did at home. Not, not what my Sunday school teacher did. My Sunday school teacher was great in telling me about the story about David and the, I mean Daniel and the lion did, and Samson and all of those. She was great, wonderful. But it was about what my mom and dad did at home. 
And I don't want, I don't want to give you who are single uh, this impression that you can disappear because I may be talking about family or something like that. No, 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 no. You need to understand that you are going to grow up and you're going to have a family yourself. So it's good and beneficial for you to listen up and not those drift away. The family is a very important. The home life is very important to God. And we can see that clearly. Because it's the first thing, it's the first unit that God instituted. The first unit that God instituted. The family itself. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 25. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. Ooh, I hope everybody brought their Bible today. Can you open it up today? Genesis chapter 2. Verses 18 to 25. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man, so, so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. God saw Adam once been in a little bit lonely. He could not do this work in which God had called him to do by himself. So God said, I need to do something about that. So the Lord, God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up place with the flesh. Then the, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She, she shall be called woman. For she was taken out of, the, out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. God saw it fit to institute this thing that we call family. Because he saw it as in being very, very important. As a place to where Husband and wife can have some spiritual intimacy with one another, physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, places for it. So our homes should be a place of intimacy with our family. I have to admit to you, when I knew that I was not going back to Louisiana and I knew that God was calling me somewhere else, separate from my mom and dad, I tell you, I cried. And I cried not only one day, I cried for many days. Because I had enjoyed being with my family. I had enjoyed the things that really they had taught me. Now, I'm talking about my family being one that it was perfect and it was 
oh, everything all together. No, there were times where there were fights going on. There were times for those, there was time for those things. But for the most part, my mom and dad did a very good job, I thought, in teaching me about God or leading me to God. So that when the time came, when the time came, that I could make a right choice. Many times, young men, especially of the African-American race, are not making right choices today because the family structure is torn apart. Many are coming from single-parent homes. I'm not saying anything to knock single parents because I believe single parents are ones who put their wholehearted to doing it, they are people who inspire me. Because I don't see how they do, how they do it as one person. I don't see how. But we all, we all, again, we all have place, a place that we're going to return from, return to when we leave this church today. And it's called our home. And in our home, there's some, there some things that need to go on in our homes. That God wants to see. And will make an impact, I believe, on this society. I don't think that no one in here can say that. I'm not for sure how I can be able to serve God in this church. I believe that if you would put your energy in building your home. I believe that's one way for sure that God desires you to serve him. And I believe that. Get this picture. If, let's say for example, if we're having several different families in our church that are working really hard and building their homes up, building them up, they may, they may be situated in a different part of the city. If we're, we're, we have several families doing that, can you imagine? Can you imagine if we had those, those homes that are really being built and people are starting, we're starting to see our, our, our home lives, starting to see that affect our friends, and starting to see people come to Christ. Can you imagine how fast churches will pop up, different churches, different locations will pop up? They will pop up like popcorn. And we will begin to take over the entire city. That is the goal. That is the goal. Not because we try to puff ourselves up and become this great uh, institution or New Hope International Church. No, it's simply because the Bible says that God wants everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to know about the gospel. So we're so busy talking about ministry when our ministry is right there in which we go there every single day and spend 15 hours. That's a ministry. My ministry is to my wife. My ministry is to my children. Raising them up in the knowledge of God. Some of you who are singles, you're living with someone, you're living with other people. If you, can you imagine how if you live so effective in the way you lived your life, how much that impacts that person's life? It impacts their life. I remember when I, came for, when I first came back to Christ, I was living with three other guys who were on the basketball team. Guess what we were all used to? Going to the bar, having fun, chasing girls. We were all used to that. 
But boy, when Jesus came in, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me and they began to see me go to church. They began to see me not only go to church, but they began to see me act like it around them, that something had came into my life and changed me. Then they began to wonder what is going on with him. That's what I want people to do about me in my household. I want people to come into my house and they will say, what is going on with these people? I want what they got inside of here. That's what I want to hear. So what is, what should these homes look like? What should our homes look like to cause people to have that effect? First, before I get to that, Normally, when we think about our home life, we think in times where our home is a place to where we can sneak down maybe at night, open the refrigerator. There may be a carton of orange juice there. We take the orange juice, put it back in the refrigerator. <laughs> we think about it as a place where, you know, we can, uh, because in my crib I can leave the, the for, uh, I should verify this. When I say crib, crib is just a, it's not a word for home, okay? Uh, <laughs> there, was this one, there was this one show on BET, Black Entertainment Channel, and it was, it was called the Cribs. It was called Cribs, at least. And it, it was all of these big fancy homes that many of these athletes had and so forth. So they would take the t- TV camera through them. Uh, but anyway, we think of our home as a place to where, you know, if I want to leave my laundry on the floor, I can leave my laundry on the floor. Yeah, yeah we can do that. That's fine. You know, it's because of our house and so on. Uh, I'd, I'd like to give us another picture of how we can make our home, what we can make our home look like so that they really represent God. Let's look at uh, Ephesians. In Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, Ephesians 5, I'm sorry. In Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll I'll start from verse, Ephesians 5, and I'll start from verse 22. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your Wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her uh, by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's where we got the whole idea of wanting to, as a vision statement, wanting to Help build glorious churches. The same thing. Radiant is glorious. Same thing. Um, Verse 28. In the the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wives loves himself. After all, uh, no one ever 
uh, had, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this, this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm not talking about uh, uh, Christ, uh, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as love him, loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. <laughs> Very interesting. So we hear. Paul simply states here by saying that I'm not I'm talking about Christ in his church. In essence, he's talking about the relationship Christ has in his church, and to understand that relationship, he says, look to the married life, the way God has designed marriage to be, and you will be able to understand the relationship between Christ and his church. He says, first of all, he gives a command to the women to submit to their husbands. Now, the thing here is that some I know cringe about that when they hear that. Simply because of the way it has been spoken. Or maybe an experience they may have either viewed or been in themselves when they may have been in a position where the person in whom they were viewing was kind of a male chauvinist or they were in a relationship and that was the case. But here we're talking about an act, an act of submission or if you do a study on the word, you will see that it's a military word and simply means just to, just as it says, to place yourself under someone. And this is a willful choice. But the thing here is that we need to understand that when we when we see uh, when a person see a, hus- a wife submitting to their husband, what they are actually really seeing is they are seeing the reign of Christ in that home. So, the first thing, if we want to have a home that is one that impacts our society or makes a difference in that community and where we're living in, it must be a place where Christ reigns and rules. His leadership, he is the head of that home. He says that just as well as the husband is the head in his home, Christ is the head of the church. But he says also, too, that Christ is overall. <laughs> so we should, 
if we want to see our homes be a place that impact others, it needs to be a place where Christ reigns at. His supreme authority rules. Okay? So, all of you guys who may be in a situation where you say, hey, you're supposed to submit to me. No, she's not going to submit to you until you start to learn how to submit to Christ yourself. That's why if you go on, on down in the scripture, you're going to see that he says, husband, love your wife. So as the husband loved the wife, the wife is going to willfully come under the submission and leadership of the husband. But if the husband is not loving the wife, the wife is not going to come under your leadership. How do you know, again, how do you know that Christ is ruling and reigning in your house? It's very clear. He says, through the wife's submission, we're going to see Christ ruling and reigning. I can probably guess a few other places where we can probably test to see if Christ is ruling and reigning in a place. Probably in the area of what we do and what do we do with our money. Where's your time being used? And you can tell if who is reigning, who is leading in your life, who you're submitting to. If you're spending tons and tons of hours at the office, then you're under the leadership and submission of your boss. Now, I'm not saying that there will not be a season and time to where you know it's a lot of extra work coming in and God has provided that time and so forth for you to do that. That's great. Do it. But if we want houses, if we want homes that really impact people when they step into them or people around us, we, we, that's one thing, or maybe probably just me, but that's one thing I started to see is that we go every single way except go to the people that are right around us. And make an impact on them. Christ ruling and reigning in our homes. He is the unseen head of the house. Secondly, we can read from the passage in that it says again, husband, love your wife, and we could talk more and more here talking about how that love is ex- expressed and so forth says in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. If we want to have a place that impacts others, not only should we see Christ being the head in the home, ruling, reigning in the home, but we should also see the presence of love and action. You should see love and action. You can see clearly that God's love for his 
church, he is asking it to be two-way. God shows love to us. He is asking us to show love back to him. In the home, in the home, husband show love to wife, wife show love to husband. Husband show love to kids, kids show love to so on. Love should be a part of the family. You say that, well, what's the difference? Someone who is a non-believer shows love in their family and so forth. That's true. And you're absolutely right about that. But here's the difference. Generally, when I was an unbeliever, I showed love to people because I was interested in what they're going to do for me. Now, as though being a Christian, I show love because I know that that's what God wants me to do. I don't care what people think or what, are, what, they, what they do for me. It's not about me. So in other words, the reason why, the reason why it's different is a different for a Christian home compared to a non-believer home is because the love of God. God's love is in here. Not a human element, but God's love. And God's love is one that is selfless. It thinks of others. You know what the Bible says? And here's why I have a hard time with people who say, she walks down the aisle, she's got a veil and everything on. The man is standing right here. And they go through the vows, they go through the vows together, and they say, you promise to love each other until death do you part. Yes, they say it so quickly. But six months to one year down later, say, oh, she's so mean. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. So mean. She don't listen to nothing I say. So mean. Oh, he's just like an animal around here. <laughs> and then it's just a few minutes, a few more times, and then it's off to divorce court. And I wonder, are you kidding me? You said that you love each other. And now you're off to divorce court. No. God wants us to love this way. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 8, He says, love is patient. Why patient? Generally, we are patient with people because we know how God, how patient God is with us. Love is kind. Do we say kind words to one another? Or some people just say kind words to their wife or to the children or something like that while they're here at church. Or while somebody's around them. So let's say kind words to them. No. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily in anger. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
and you go on reading. Love never fails. God's love, it never fails. So if we can invite and we can allow God's love inside of our homes, it will transform our society. It will transform our neighborhoods. God's love. I know so many people, or so so many people that I know as such, they have rejected God because they did not, as children, receive love in their homes. And they rejected God. And they have a hard time receiving God today, simply because there was no love shown within the home. My dad was, he had to, Stopped working, I mean, stopped attending school when he was 15 years old because his father died of a stroke. And at that time, when your father died and you're the, first, you're the oldest son, you virtually take on the job and responsibility of helping take care of the family. So my dad died, so he was a very hard worker. He still is. He works about 12 hours still today. And it was hard for him. It was very hard for him to be one who expressed who express his love. It was very hard for him to come and hold, hold us in this manner. So therefore, when I grew, when I grew, when I grew up, I kind of shied away from that when, when people would come toward, to, towards me, at least. But now, I, I change because of God's love in me. Man, I hold my kids. I hold my son. I hold my I hold my girls. I hold my hand. I hold my wife's hand every time I can get it. <laughs> my wife's gonna say, Hey man, you don't have to talk about me that much a day. <laughs> We want to express love in our family, in our homes. You know, I went to the, I went to the, uh, about two weeks ago, I went to the QFC, and I just buy something, I just buy something, and uh, one lady, she had a little bit more things than I did. And I could see that she, her basket was a little bit hurt. It was a little bit heavier. So I say, you know, ma'am, why don't you come before me and let let you go on? She said, you would do that for me? She said, yes, your basket heavy. <laughs> but I believe that if I didn't have God's love in me, I don't think that I would have done that for that lady. I don't think I would have been as kind to her. Because God's love, again, it causes us not to think about ourselves. But God's love causes us to think about others. It's not self-seeking. It's one that thinks about other people. So we build our home on God's love, on the foundation of his love. Somebody here may be here today that, well, you know, I want that kind of love in my heart, but... Never have uh, came to this point of uh, getting that kind of love. Well, it just starts with you 
repenting of sin in your life and and following God. And that kind of love can come into your heart. We want homes that make a difference in people's lives. We don't want just homes where we have nice decoration in them and so forth. But we want homes that have nice decoration in them, but we want homes that also represent God in them as well too. A home to where Jesus is the head and leader in that home. A home where the love of God is present is a home that makes an impact on people's life. Lastly, the home where the word of God reigns and rules as well too. You see that it says she is to be cleansed. She is to be cleansed by the washing of soap. No, not by the washing of soap, but by the washing of the word of God. She is to become this glorious place. Your home is to become this glorious place not because of your real creative decorative skills, but because of God's word being there. Just like I was as a small boy, that big old Bible there, and understanding that if we have disputes and all of those kind of things, let's go to the Bible. Same thing. Our homes should be places where the Bible reigns, the Bible rules. The Bible is a governing authority. The Bible is the authority in our house. And for some of us, some of us, we say yes to that, but we only say, well, as long as we can keep this part of the Bible out. No, no, no. We're talking about the whole entire Bible being one reigns in our homes. The Bible says like this in Psalms chapter 119, verse 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his heart pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let my, me stray from my, your commands. I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, if we want homes that are full of God, that are clean, that are pure, and so forth, it starts with yielding to the word of God. Allowing the word of God to change and transform us. Not just part of the scripture. The Bible. The word of God. I want to take this last scripture and go to our Deuteronomy chapter 6. For all of us who are parents of in here. Why we need to do this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we'll read verses 1 to 4. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and and commands that I've given you, and so that you may enjoy long life. And keep on reading. We have the Bible here because it's a way of setting, setting it up so that, man, when our children come after us, 
they grab a hold of it, and then their children grab a hold of it, and it keeps it going. It keeps it going. You keep it going. You see why God has created a family? He's created a family so that he can continually perpetuate his word throughout generations. So I don't know why, again, why we're running off to so many different places for ministry when we have a real ministry at home. Teach them. In fact, as it goes on to say, it goes on to say, the Bible says that never let them out of our sight. You see in Proverbs, I think this is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 or 6, something like that. Never leaving them, never let them out of our sight. Keeping them here, keeping them before us. And the Bible says that then shall we win favor with God and man. It's hard to win favor with men without the Bible behind the source. We got to keep the word of God before us. Last little bit. Read this little thing here. Your respect for the Bible measures your respect for God. If you only respect part of the Bible, you're going to only respect God as part. What if we start to realize that, wow, this is God's word. It's holy. It's perfect. It's without sin. It's without any error. Then we understand that, wow, God, we respect you, dear. That's reverence. So we want to have homes that make a difference. Let Jesus reign and rule in them. If we want to let his love abide there and let his word always be before us. Then we have homes that make impact in people's lives. I said it at the beginning, talking about my own mom and dad. That has transferred down to me. My wife sits somewhere over there. But you can almost every morning between 5.30 and 6 o'clock, every morning, I'm up. And the music come on. And you can hear me pray out loud, too. But I want to set a precedent in my own home. I want to set a pattern for Lydia, Karen, Isaiah. So that they can keep the word of God going. Oh, I was so delighted to be able to see um, Kevin and Stephanie and all of those people. Wow. I was so happy to be able to see that. It means that something good is going on. Pirate and Brenda, I appreciate you. One, because this family has probably been with us, been at the church in the very beginnings. And man, they have had children from this position to now have Pastor Tyson, uh, Lancer, Justin, and Nisa. All of these are serving God. That's my pursuit. That's my pursuit. 
That's the way we make an impact on our society. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all of the delightful people of yours, God. Thank you that, Lord, you give us perfect opportunity to be able to serve you by building our homes in such a manner to the where they glorify you. The where we show people through our lives in whom we submit to. Father, we also thank you that that you give us the opportunity to be able to share your love with people through the way that we are living in our homes. Father, I pray also you would help us keep our homes be in places where your, your word reigns and your word is final authority. Let us not go or forget that our first and foremost ministry is our, is our home, God. So, Father, I pray for all of us here today. God, I know that I'm not, my home is not to that point yet, but I'm just like everyone here, God, wanting to be able to come to a point to where it really influences our society. So, Father, give us the strength and the help, the wisdom that is needed. Lord, so that we can build an environment to where our children will grow up in and be nurtured in your love, nurtured in your word, nurtured in your leadership. Thank you, Lord, for this day and I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like for all of you to stay another 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. But for all of you, I would pray that as you would go from this place and go back to your homes today, I pray that you would make a decision that, hey, this is what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for building my home. And I believe too that I'm going to make an impact on my society. I love you. And I again pray that nothing but God's blessing be upon you. You are free to tell somebody that you love them. And that you will be praying for them as you leave from this place today. Thank you for your time.